Good morning, church. How are y'all doing this morning? So glad you guys decided to join us. Would y'all stand up, greet some people around you, and then we'll begin to worship together.
seated. Welcome to Shelby Christian Church. It's wonderful to have all of you here this morning and those of you that are celebrating with us online this morning. You know, we just finished this week of Thanksgiving 
And of course, being the history nut that I am, I began to go back and look again at how we came about the first Thanksgiving. Of course, in 1620, we know that the separatists wanted to come to a place where they could worship God on their own. And they had to leave England to do that, and they went to Holland. But to leave England, they had to separate themselves from the church and the state that were together. And to leave England without permission was considered treason. So we know that a lot of them tried, never made it out, were imprisoned and later executed. But they made it to Holland, but they realized even in Holland they weren't safe. So they decided they wanted to come to a new world. So they took the Mayflower and they came over. In 1621, they landed at Plymouth Rock, came came ashore and began to try and establish a colony. 102 of them left Holland, but only 48 survived by the time the first winter was over. But it was the end of that that William Bradford, the governor, declared that a day of thanksgiving would be given unto the Lord. A day where they would meet first at the chapel, where they would worship God and thank Him. And then they would celebrate with the great meal. Well, I love great meals. I guess you can tell that by looking at me. Um, My wife fixed an awesome Thanksgiving dinner, had a great time this weekend, but Thanksgiving is not really my favorite meal. My favorite meal is a big thick piece of prime rib about medium steak fries and a slice of cheesecake now i'd like to eat and it doesn't matter whether we eat at home we go out doesn't really matter i like eating and i think about the meal that we take in communion i think about the fact that how precious this meal is about how cheap it is to come up with a little bit of juice and a little bit of bread, but how expensive the price was paid in order for us to eat it. I think about the time long ago that Christ died for us in order for us to have that meal. And yet this meal carries through to the future. I think about how personal this meal is for me. Because I reflect on what Jesus did. Yet while it's personal, it's also universal. Because throughout the world today, Christians throughout the world will be celebrating with us this table. I think about the poor man who comes to this table yet leaves rich because of the blood of Christ. Maybe this is my favorite meal because of what Christ did for us. Oh, what a wonderful communion it is to be with Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, we just praise you this morning. We give you all the thanks. We thank you for those settlers that came across the ocean years ago to try to establish a new world who came to separate themselves and come to a country where they could worship the Lord. We thank you that we have that tradition, that we have the freedom today to come to lift up our voices and to sing and proclaim your mighty word. I thank you for that freedom. 
I thank you for the men and women that serve this country throughout the world. May you bless them today. And Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would just let your spirit fall upon this place today. Father, I pray that you would just anoint Ethan in the worship team. That you would anoint Pastor Dave as he brings us this message this morning. God, we know how much you love us because you sent your son to us. And as we eat and drink at these different communion stations this morning, I pray, Lord, that we remember what your son did for us. Living on this earth without sin, yet giving up his life for each of us. Lord, we just thank you and we love you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
y'all have a seat. Good morning, Shelby Christian Church. If you don't know me, my name is Ryan Franklin, and I had the great opportunity to partner with Shelby Christian uh, to extend the kingdom of God. Over the last three years, I have had the great opportunity to work in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, to raise up new mission workers in our mobilization department. But now, I have transitioned to the United Kingdom, where I come to you this morning in this beautiful, beautiful park. Um, And I just wanted to drop a note to say thank you. As we attempt to make disciples, you make disciples here in the UK amongst unreached people groups and refugees. Um, None of this would be possible without your encouragement and your support. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. As we look to the new year, I hope that you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And let's go make some disciples. Thanks. We're going to be showing uh, clips from folks like that. Ryan Franklin is actually uh, the son of one of the Timothys of our church, Farron Franklin, who's Bobby Franklin's son. And uh, Ryan has been kind of one of our partners for a few years, as he said, and now actually on the field. And so each week uh, leading up to Christmas, we're going to kind of just show you some updates from some of the folks that we partner with. Uh, on a regular basis, let you know uh, kind of what's going on in their world. Uh, I hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving, whatever it looked like. You know, I, I'm beginning to realize that there's not a like, this is how it has to be kind of Thanksgiving. It's more about just doing what makes sense and what works for families and to be able to have some of that time and to enjoy that uh, in whatever way you can. And But now, you know what that means? It's over, right? It's over. So now it's like full bore Christmas season let's go and like it starts this week here I uh, just want to let you know real quick just neck between now and next weekend uh, there's some decorating stuff that's going on tomorrow uh, and then next weekend uh, there's a Christmas recital a Christmas dance recital here all of our little girls that do our dance program and it's really cool that's next Saturday afternoon but it's open to anybody if you want to come uh, and then next Sunday morning there's a special event that's being put on by our Marriage Matters Ministry uh, at 1130, there's a Christmas coffee uh, that'll be over in the gym just to get together with couples and find out, uh, make some relationships, but also find out about some things that may be coming uh, for that ministry. Then on uh, Sunday afternoon, Yuletide and Yarn Ladies, a great uh, craft day, uh, day and event uh, that we do every year. Uh, and then Sweet Spirit will be doing their Christmas concert Monday night. And then next Tuesday, like, like that's next Monday night. And then next Tuesday, there is going to be an amazing, amazing transformation in this room that we'll let you know about now so that you don't like freak out two weeks from now when you show up. Because this year we're going to do a Christmas to remember. And this year our Christmas service is going to be kind of in the round. And so the stage will be right out there. Seats will be reconfigured or everybody's facing together. It's going to be a really cool acoustic kind of sound. A lot of Christmas carols, uh, just a lot of traditional kind of stuff, just to kind of step back into a Christmas to remember. And so we're really, really excited about that and some things. So, so just we, we knew we had to give everybody a couple weeks notice. So like, you know, you didn't walk in the door on December 12th and like everybody freak out because on December 12th, every person has to find a new seat 
because not a single seat will be where it is right now, okay? So we're all on the same page in that, but it's going to be really, really cool uh, as we worship together uh, through the Christmas season. Last weekend, uh, we started this this three-week mini-series that we're doing leading up to Christmas, uh, and we've called it From Wall Street to your street. If you weren't here last week, let me bring you back up to speed. If you were, let me just remind you that we talked about how Wall Street represents the overwhelming wealth of our nation. But we don't think about generosity when we hear the term Wall Street. In fact, if I say, okay, I'm going to say Wall Street and you say one word that comes to your mind, I'll guarantee you generosity won't be in the top hundred. There's no way that that's what you're going to think about in that. And we tend to think of accumulation of resources, but not the sharing of those resources. And, and as we said last week, Wall Street can collapse in a day, right? We, we've seen portions of that uh, many times in, in our lifetime. And so it leaves a lot of uncertainty in the midst of this overwhelming wealth, a lot of uncertainty about our future and in turn our generosity from the world's point of view. But we said last week, we talked about the intersection from Wall Street to your street, and we talked about the intersection of generosity and uncertainty, the uncertainty of stuff like Wall Street and worldly wealth. And we talked about how generosity shows God's grace in a situation. How generosity shows an expression of joy. How generosity shows that we trust God. How generosity shows our love for one another. So today we want to come to, we're coming to another intersection, all right? Last week was the intersection of generosity and uncertainty. This week, uh, we're going to go through another intersection, and that's the intersection of generosity and responsibility. There's an old story, and some of you probably heard it, but bear with me. There's an old story told about uh, a preacher that came up to a guy and said, Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What guy in his church said, Can I ask you a question? He said, Sure. He said, Sure, preacher. He said, If you had a million dollars, if you had a million dollars, would you give $100,000 to the Lord? I said, Well, sure, I would, preacher. Absolutely. He said, Okay, if you had 10,000 acres of crops, would you give a thousand acres of your produce to the Lord? Well, you know I would, absolutely. My preacher said, Sam, if you had 10 cows, would you donate one of them to the work of the Lord? He said, that's not prayer, preacher. You know I got 10 cows. <laughs> See, we don't want to be challenged. and we can, It's easy to be challenged about something we don't have. But when we got it and we don't want to share it, that's a different question. It's easy to talk about sharing things that we don't have. Last week, we talked about the worldly concept of when we have, then we will suddenly become more generous. Man, just wait till I get a lot and I'll be really, really generous in the world, in the church, and everywhere. No, you won't. Because if you're not generous with a little, you won't be generous with a lot. It just won't work that way. It just never happens that way. Generosity, get this. Generosity is 100% a decision of trust God no matter what. Do we trust God no matter what? And so along with that issue of trust comes the idea of responsibility. Of responsibility of being good stewards of what we do receive. Now if you remember the very, very first part of Second Corinthians chapter 8. If you want to get your Bibles out, we're back in Second Corinthians 8 today. Told you we would be. Last week we talked with the first 15 verses. This week we'll st- pick up at verse 16. But at the very beginning of Second Corinthians chapter 8, 
Paul discusses or reminds the people about this this offering that was being taken, this special love offering that was being taken up for the church at Jerusalem, the original church that that was born on the day of Pentecost, but now was at a point uh, of some financial struggles, and so churches were taking offering. Titus had been there and helped take up part of the offering uh, that was going back to that church, and a portion had already been received, but it's time to kind of finish the project, to complete the project. And so as you're going to see here, uh, starting in verse 16, Paul is sending Titus back to complete the generosity project in the church at Corinth. Look at verse 16. It says, but thank God he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. Titus welcomed our request uh, that, uh, that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was eager to go and see you. Verse 18 says, we are also sending another brother with Titus. All of the churches here praise him as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. And verse 20 says, we are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way that we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. We are also sending them with another of our brothers who has proven himself many times and has shown on many occasions how eager he is. And he is now even more enthusiastic because of his great confidence in you. If anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you. And the brothers with him have been sent by the churches. They bring honor to Christ, so show them your love and prove to all the churches that are boasting about you as justified. Do, do you see a pattern there? What Paul is describing there is a system of accountability, of responsibility in handling the resources, the generosity that's coming from the people in the church. And as I was looking through this this week and reading and praying about this section of scripture, it became pretty obvious to me that there are a couple of different levels, a couple of different types of responsibility that are talked about here. There's personal responsibility and personal integrity. And then there is the responsibility and integrity of the church. And I want to kind of just spend a few minutes talking about both of those this morning. And we'll call it a day and, and, and be done. But it's important for us to understand our personal responsibilities when it comes to anything financial and in terms of our generosity. Now, I was blessed. I I was blessed to grow up in a home that I learned the balance of being frugal. Okay, let's just say it this way. Tight and generous at the same time. And, And my parents, my parents taught my brother and I from an early, early age to work hard invest wisely and to manage what we had and we just we just grew up learning that and my parents modeled that and yet they were frugal and very frugal but they were also very generous and i saw them do some incredible things as kids growing up but they taught us to to be wise i may have gone overboard with it a little bit and keeping track of money when when i was a kid like as a as an elementary student, like I had in my desk drawer in my bedroom, I had different containers. 
I had one container for quarters and one for dimes and one for nickels and one for pennies. And I even had one for half dollars, uh, 50 cent pieces. I had all of the like little wrappers that you, you used to get at the bank before you could just go dump it in the machine and it spit it out. I had all those and I knew how many of each I had to put in each one. And as soon as I got there, I'd, I'd fill it full. I, I used to write down the serial numbers of all the dollar bills that I had and make sure that I had this you know, so that it went and I'd mark them off when I spent them. I was a little bit anal with money, you might say, uh, as a kid. Some of you don't find that hard to believe. Uh, but that's just the way I was raised, is to, to work hard, you know, as a kid, to go out and mow grass and get paid, and then to, to manage that well. And I told before about how my dad taught my brother and I to tithe. But when it comes to financial situations, personal integrity is critical. I read a heartbreaking story this week that I, had, I probably had seen before when it happened, um, but I'd forgotten about it. It happened like 2007 or 8, somewhere in that day. It was about a, a young lady who had won Miss Teen Louisiana. Miss Teen Louisiana, and so she would be in line to compete in the Miss Teen USA thing. She was 18 years old, and in between the Miss Teen Louisiana event and the Miss teen usa or miss teen america whichever it's called in between those two events she and three of her girlfriends went out to eat one night and they went to a restaurant and they had a bill of like 45 46 dollars and they decided it would be fun to dine and dash some of you know what i mean if you don't look at the ones that are laughing they know and they can tell you no they 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 got up and, and ran out without paying their bill She's Miss Teen Louisiana. Do you think anybody might recognize her? Well, even if they didn't recognize her, she left her purse in the booth and then went back in to get it. And that's when it all fell apart. One crucial mistake. I'm not talking about forgetting her purse inside. One crucial mistake changed the potential trajectory of her life by not exercising personal responsibility and paying the bill, taking care of her financial situation. You see, money is so weird, and that's why, you know, I I know that maybe... some of them are right, maybe struggling because, like, there's that there's that image that you know I'm gonna want to go to church because all I talk about is money. Well, that's not true here. We we do it once a year because it's important. Jesus talked more about money than he did any other subject in all the New Testament. It's important, and I and I know why he talked about it because Jesus, being God in flesh, knew that money could mess us up more than any earthly issue. And get us off of center. And personal responsibility is critical when it comes to money. But money can also have a polarizing effect on people. Would you agree with that? I mean, some of it, we can probably stay, we can stay here a long time and, and go around the room and tell stories of incredible things that people have done with money. You know, we, we know people who have given, who've invested, who've just done some incredible 
awesome, spectacular things with money. Just kind of like what Paul's describing here in the Macedonian churches that gave, that begged to give. We just want to give more. And they were doing incredible, incredible stuff making a difference. We've seen examples of people who receive a windfall of some sort and then do something extremely generous. I remember reading a story in Time magazine. It's been several years ago now. Remember when McDonald's used to do the little Monopoly games? You know, and you go and you peel the thing off your cup and you try to fill up the Monopoly board. I remember reading a story in Time magazine about a children's home that got an anonymous envelope in the mail with the... The winning, the one that got you the big prize ticket just stuck in an envelope. Somebody had peeled that sticker off and got the one that I don't remember, a million dollars, five million dollars, whatever. And they just stuck it in an envelope and anonymously sent it to this children's home. That's cool, isn't it? Wouldn't you love to be able to do something like that uh, and then just know that, you know, somebody's going to get blessed. But money can mess us up too, can't it? Money can bring out not only the best in people, but it can bring out the worst in people too. You hear stories of families fighting and never talking again over an inheritance. Over an inheritance, over money. I know of couples who divorce because of financial pressure and disagreement on financial issues. I know stories, people that I know and care about who got in trouble because they stole money from the company in a moment of weakness. Money can bring out the best in people, but it can also bring out the worst in people. See, I think each of us has a responsibility to manage what we've been given. And it begins with understanding that we've been given that. That every blessing that we have comes from God. James, the son of, or the brother of Jesus wrote this. He said, every good and perfect gift is from where? It's from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. See, you remember when the Old Testament, remember when they finally, uh, they, they were on their way to the promise, they'd gotten out of Egypt and then they started complaining and God said, oh, you're going to wander around. They wandered around the wilderness. But do you remember how they were provided for? Remember God provided for them every day? And remember how he provided though? Every day. Remember in the Old Testament, it says that, that, that God told them, go out every morning and collect enough manna. That was the bread that was on the ground that had fallen like snowflakes. He said, go out and collect enough every day for what? For today. Except on the day before the Sabbath, you were allowed to do what? Collect two days. You were that day and the Sabbath. And, but then God said, here, and I'm going to hold you accountable to this. If you collect more than enough for a day, what's going to happen? It's going to spoil. It, it won't be any good the next day when you go to get it. If you think you're going to have a little midnight snack while you're watching the ball game, it ain't going to be any good because it's going to already spoil. God said, you, because it was a matter of trust. Do you trust me today that I'll provide for you tomorrow? Man, a lot of people still wrestle with that question, don't they? A lot of people still wrestle with that Okay, God, you've been good to me, but I don't know if you'll be good to me tomorrow. So I think I just need to maybe be a little bit tight on this. And God said, no, you get enough for today and I'll take care of you tomorrow. And you just need to trust me. You just need to trust me in that. See, sometimes finances get us messed up. Sometimes, and I would be, I would be remiss if I didn't say that 
although my parents taught me really, really well to work hard and invest wisely and be generous, I, I haven't always made the right financial decision. I've had to get out of some bad financial decisions personally and, and kind of move on to the next thing and just do the best you can do. We, we believe so strongly in, in helping out with that, that we've got a couple of resources internally in the church. Jeremy Hayden has started doing something for us called financial recovery. It really started out of our recovery ministry, but it's really effective for anyone that's gotten, if you, if, if you know someone that's gotten like really upside down financially in the hole, because sometimes that hole is deep and sometimes things aren't set up to get out easily. Well, Jeremy's willing to help out and just is a great resource for us. And then if you get beyond that and are ready, if you're beyond that, but you're like, I just got to do a better job managing what I do have and making sure I make wise decisions for the future. Uh, we do Financial Peace University a couple times a year and Pat and Cindy Murphy kind of head that up. And so it'll, there'll be another one of those sessions starting sometime right after the first of the year. That may be something that you need to do to take ownership, to take personal responsibility for your financial blessings that you receive from God. Because here, get this. This is critical for us. Because it applies not just to finances, but to finances. Once a person owns their personal responsibility in a situation, once they understand their personal responsibility in a situation, then most of the time they will figure out how to handle that situation financial or otherwise the problem is a lot of times we want to blame on somebody else it's somebody else's fault and we don't own our own responsibility but once we own our own and understand our personal responsibility then we can figure out how to do whatever needs to be done and our personal financial responsibility is to manage our blessings well and to be generous I said that this text that we read a few moments ago from 2 Corinthians, it, it talks about the, the church's responsibility and that Paul outlines pretty, pretty directly that it's Paul that's writing the letter. He's sending Titus. So there's a check and balance and he's sending with Titus another preacher who is also bringing some other people. So there, there is at least, as I count, there's at least four, maybe five people involved in this chain of collecting this offering and making sure that it gets where it's supposed to go. And so I think that's important for, for churches. To follow that same kind of pattern of checks and balances along the way. And I think there's a lot of things the church has a responsibility for when it comes to finances. The first one that I would say is I think the church has a responsibility to challenge believers to give. I almost, I almost didn't apply to be the senior pastor here 26 years ago because I was afraid to talk about giving that was the one thing I dreaded I didn't want to do these messages and, and I was terrified and I talked to some other pastors and they helped me understand that as I said earlier it's the thing Jesus talked about more than anything else in scripture 
it's the thing that Jesus talked about more than anything else. And how can we not talk about, how can we not challenge to integrity the thing that Jesus spent so much time on? God clearly teaches us through his word that believers are called to give sacrificially, not, not for the blessings of God. That prosperity gospel that, that is being taught in places that is so sinful and evil because it, that's not how it works. We don't give to be blessed. We give because we are blessed. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that. In Proverbs 21, 26, it says, Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. Isaiah 58, verses 10 and 11 says, Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Paul, in his writings to another church, to the church in Rome, said, We have different spiritual gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And and so I think that the biblical mandate for followers of God, followers of Jesus Christ to give is all throughout Scripture. We, We can't ignore it or deny it. And so we give several opportunities, ways to give. As I mentioned last week, and you guys well know, we don't pass offering plates anymore. But we do have offering boxes at all the communion station. We've got envelopes there that you can give. We've got the red envelopes out now already that are, are for our together giving. And so there's that opportunity to give that way. A lot, and, and right now we're at a point that we're about 50-50. We're at about 50% of the of our tithes and offerings come in uh, directly this way, and about 50% come in online every week. It's give or take a little bit, depending on the week. And so online, you can get on the website, and it shows you how to do things. Uh, the best way, the best way to give electronically, is through your bank. It's just to go straight into your bank and in your personal account and set it up that way because then it's consistent, it's continual, but then you don't get charged a fee and the church doesn't get charged any kind of handling fee like on a, on a debit card or whatever. So you can give online through the website, you can give online through your bank, or you can just text to give. In fact, you could get your phone out right now and you could text this number right here and it'll come up the screen and you can kind of enter your phone and you can give just from your phone sitting right there and you can set it up to recur or whatever there's all kinds of ways to give and i and i just think as our world continues to grow and things like that there'll be more ways to do it and different ways to do it i don't think it's as important how we do it just that we do it how is in the, the whether it's directly through a box or online that's a personal preference kind of thing all right you know back in in biblical days if we want to just be straight biblical we would sit come to a point in the service say okay all right everybody bring their offering to the front and you'd bring it and drop it right at the apostles feet that was that's biblical so i don't think it's the how in terms of the mode i think it's the the heart i think it's the consistency 
the regularity that I know that everything I have is a gift from God. And then we do special offerings over and above kind of gifts. Uh, we have still periodically use the buckets to collect for something like a, a mission trip or something like that. And then we have our annual together offering that comes up around Christmas. And then we try to raise as much of the funding for our missions, benevolence, and outreach for the coming year as we possibly can. So we provide ways to do what God has asked us to do. I think it's also important that the church provide a budget. The church is transparent, says here's, here's how we're spending the money that's come in. In fact, next week, as is our, is our pattern, the first Sunday of December, next Sunday, out, outside in the lobby, there will be a line item by line item budget for 2022. To that next year, 2022. And it will be out there and people can ask questions. It kind of goes line item by line item accountability. And then about the third week of December, we'll have a vote of affirmation. So yeah, we're, we're all on board. And saying that we're on board means not only do we agree with the budget, but we're on board in supporting the budget. We're on board and giving to that. And, and Dennis uh, Dove, our executive pastor, handles all that uh, with what we call a financial risk assessment team. Uh, and they'll answer any questions at all that you might have except for individual salaries. That's, that's just a, a way we handle it. That's a personal thing uh, between leadership and the different staff people. But anything else, uh, we will answer that and be uh, just say, here's how we do things, right? The third thing I think that's important, not only do we give a, an opportunity to give, and not only do we present a budget, but then we also provide accountability and are good stewards. And I just want to, that's not really a, like an evangelistic message, but I think it's important occasionally that everybody know, here's how we manage money. Today, when, when offerings are received, regular offerings are received, they're collected and, and counted and deposited by our church treasurer. If there's count, uh, cash, uh, which there's actually seldomly cash, but the, what cash there is, it's counted by two people and signed off on, deposited in the bank. Weekly expenses are overseen by our executive pastor, Dennis, uh, and he, he approves checks. He makes sure that we're staying in line, that we're paying all of our bills, and then our checks are signed by two different people. And all these layers are different people. Different people count money, different people deposit money, different people spend money, all right? Uh, and so all the checks are approved by, by Dennis, our executive pastor, and then they're signed um, by two people. We have an accountant that works with us that does a regular monthly reconciliation to make sure we're on board. And then as I mentioned just a moment ago, uh, our financial status and, and budgeting is monitored by a financial risk assessment team. They're made up of volunteers, that's made up of volunteers from the church uh, that have financial background, either in banking or accounting or CPAs, so that they know, so that we can make sure we are fiscally responsible with the funds that are given uh, by the church for kingdom, uh, for kingdom work. And then we manage our together offerings as well. Now, it's really important to understand that our goal has always been for church, and we, we more than tithe. Our goal has been that we would give out 15%, as close to as we can, 15% of our actual income to missions, benevolence, and outreach every year. In other words, at least 15% is going out to make a difference somewhere, somewhere else, okay? And, and so that's what this, this together initiative is, tries to raise what we think will be that amount. And then the difference between what we actually raise and what it would take to make it up to 15% 
comes out of the budget next year and every week so much. And so this year it's uh, 5%, I think, that it took out of every week that goes in to fund that to make sure that our missions, benevolence, and outreach is fully funded. Now, the last couple years have been different. The last couple years have been different. We haven't gotten to go on hardly any mission trips out of this out of the country uh the kids have gone to guatemala a few other small ones but a lot of our together initiative is to go to do missions work outside of the country and we haven't been able to do that so there is a, a, a surplus but the beauty of that is if we ever have a financial downturn economy we've got money we can make sure our missionaries will never go untaken care of at least for a certain period of time and that money's being managed well so that we can make sure that the places that we've got boots on the ground, people, people like Ryan, people like uh, Joe and Ashley, f- places that we are deeply concerned about, like Camp Calvary, that, that we now have some surplus funds that if, if things go upside down, we can make year-end gifts. And last year, it was really great. Our Together team was able to send some Christmas gifts uh, to people in some of those places say, hey, been a rough year around the world we care about you and so it's it's managed by that all that funding is managed by jason and his mission team which is made up of volunteers in the church several elders several people just have a heart for mission uh also at least uh, one is is john may who his his job his his professional job with team expansion is their financial uh, vice president to oversee their finances in the mission world so he's like perfect for that team and he and jason work together to keep up with all that and to maintain all that now i say all that because what does the text say what did the text say we read paul said here we are coming to collect the rest of this offering and here's how we're going to manage it and i do think it's important for for churches to know kind of the system at least know the system may not agree with the system but there is a system there is a plan it's not helter skelter there is a system in place to be responsible at that intersection of generosity and responsibility truth is every year churches go under because of financial mismanagement and it's heartbreaking i know churches that the doors have closed because people didn't make good leadership decisions didn't manage finances well and they just couldn't maintain we pray that never happens in fact we we're trying as a church to position ourselves best possible to be able to help out a church if that ever is a situation to keep the doors open but we're doing everything possible to make sure it doesn't happen here in fact i want to give you the bottom line right now and we're done because it's a kind of a mathematic equation. I thought that was kind of appropriate since we're talking about dollars and cents. I'll give you a math equation here, okay? Your generosity plus our leader's integrity equals dynamic ministry. That's the responsibility we have to do our part. It's where, it's where responsibility intersects with generosity. See, if you take either one of those out, this is important, guys. If you take either one of those out, generosity or integrity, then the ministry of the church won't happen with dynamic impact that it could. If we as members aren't generous or our leaders lack integrity, the spiritual impact of our ministry will be lessened. So let me ask you, this is tough. Are you a generous person? As a regular attender, a member of Shelby Christian, are you supporting the ministry here? Not just with your attendance, maybe... Maybe your talents, 
but with your income. See, the integrity of our leaders protects that generosity so it can have the maximum impact. I remember, I remember hearing years ago as a kid growing up, somebody asked Wayne Smith, who was my preacher as a kid, he said, Brother Wayne, if I don't tithe, will I go to hell? And he said, probably not, but someone else might. Man, that kind of rings. You, you might think he's trying to be clever, funny like Wayne was, manipulative. I think he was just telling the truth. If we withhold our money or our leaders lack integrity, the ministry could suffer. And we've got to understand that at the end of the day, the reality is eternity lies in the balance. There's a broken, lost world that needs Jesus. So we talk about money. It's not begging for money. If anything, it's begging for ministry. See, your generosity... Plus leaders' integrity equals dynamic ministry. I, I heard a story, and, and Blake Seahouse, you might be able to one to confirm this somewhere because it's a story about Camp Calvary. I heard this story just recently uh, that a man spent $300 on a container of Cheetos, and, and he didn't need a single one of them. $300 on a plastic container of Cheetos, and he didn't need a single one of them. He didn't share any of them with his friends. And when he got home that night and told his wife about it, she was thrilled. She was happy. You think they lost their minds. <laughs> They've lost their minds. But it's not, it's not crazy enough. He wasn't the only one who did it that night. A bunch of guys did the same thing. See, Camp Calvary had this men's gathering and a dinner and a program. And there was an auction to raise money for the camp. Just a private auction. They had firearms and hunting equipment because it was that season and a lot of men there like to do that there are homemade treats that you could buy and there's this huge plastic container of cheetos and so they started bidding at it and somebody bought it for a hundred dollars and then donated it back to the camp they auctioned it off again and again and again and again And at the end of the night, that container of Cheetos made over $3,200 for Camp Calvary. I'm told it's a true story. Blake Shouse probably is the one who bought the Cheetos. Did you eat them, Blake? Making it, I think, would say easily the most valuable container of Cheetos in the history of the world. But you and I both know it's not about Cheetos. It's about generosity. In that situation, it's an investment in eternity for young people. Many of our young people, many of you whose lives have been changed through that ministry. And when you think about the eternity of it, a few hundred dollars for some Cheetos doesn't seem like too much. It's about being generous. And none of that, none of this makes any sense at all if you don't understand the generosity of God allowing his one and only son to come and die for our sins. God, I pray that, uh, I pray that you would continue to create a heart of generosity. help us to follow you and 
make a way for us to be good stewards of what we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys stand with me as we sing? Let's celebrate. If you've got a decision or something you need to talk about, Jason's down here. would love to meet with you, talk with you. Let's just worship together right now.
on, church, we sing this out even when. Cause even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Cause even when I don't see it, you're working. mentioned early in the service on there going on bobby's in the back can talk to you about the about the marriage thing next sunday morning also unless they got picked up this morning last i checked i think there were two or three angels still out on the tree in the lobby if you'd like to do an angel help us out uh you got a couple more weeks to get those gifts and get them back in so maybe stop by there and let's empty that off today uh, tons of boxes went out this week. We'd already sent the bags to Guatemala and gifts to Uganda. And it's already been a great season of generosity. And so we thank you for that. Uh, if you are visiting us or you're just here for the very first time, thanks for coming. We always appreciate that. Out in the lobby, there's a big orange wall that says, I'm new. And there's a team of people out there that would love to meet you. And we've got a special gift for you. Encourage you to stop by there. And then this Tuesday night, this Tuesday night at six o'clock is our Pathways, uh, which is our on for November. It's our last one of the year, actually. Uh, it's our on ramp to membership and to getting involved in life groups and to ministry groups. Uh, we'd love to have you come. If you need help signing up, uh, come down here and see me or see one of our staff. We'll get you signed up and look forward to seeing you on Tuesday night. You guys have an awesome week. Let's love God, love people. Let's go change the world.